When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters. This is episode 91 of the podcast, and it is the preseason for hockey, and it's almost the real season. And we're going to talk about that today. A lot to get to. We've got NHL rookie camps coming up, um, rookie tournaments, which are a lot of fun, and, a, and it gives us a real good glimpse of these players. And also the USHL Fall Classic, which you can follow exclusively on Flow Hockey. We are going to preview that event as we really get things rolling on the 2023-24 season. And there is so much coming up on Flow Hockey. If you haven't already, we'll talk about that as well, about why you need to subscribe because there is a lot of great stuff coming up. So we will get to that in just a little bit. But before we do... Wanted to get into the NHL rookie tournaments. This is our first glimpse of a lot of these players, especially the most recent draftees, in their NHL uniforms, playing against their peers and trying to stand out and make a name for themselves. It's a great process for teams to kind of get their season started right before training camp begins. So all the rookies are coming in this week for training camp. They're getting started. They're getting on the ice, and then they jump right into these prospect tournaments. And after that, they'll go to NHL training camps, and that includes a lot of top-end prospects. So starting actually on Thursday of this week, and we'll talk a little bit more generally because you know this is a podcast that you may not listen to before these, <laughs> these prospect tournaments happen, but we do want to talk a little bit about what the prospects tournaments do, what you can kind of learn from them, and then also where to find them because that is, you know, if, if you want to get a look at this, there is a great opportunity to see some of these young prospects across the NHL landscape. So, you know, the first one, and, and really th these have changed a lot over the years. Not every team participated in rookie camps before, but now they do, and they, they do it often. Um, and there are very few teams that will not be participating in a rookie tournament or rookie showcase of some kind this year. There are very few where they actually hand out, like, you know, a trophy. They do in, in Traverse City. Um, they do, you know, they, they kind of get bragging rights, but really it's more about an opportunity for the players to showcase themselves 
for the NHL teams. There are some undrafted players there. There are some free agents. There are some camp invites, guys that are looking to make a name for themselves. But then you've got the first round draft picks. You've got the blue chip prospects. You have the guys that are expecting to try to push to make roster spots this year at a very young age. And they can do that by making a good first impression at these rookie tournaments. And so I've gone to a lot of them over the years, um, and they're always interesting. It's a great chance to measure these players up against each other. And that is really what this is for, is to say, all right, well, we know Prospect X, we think he's here, versus Prospect Y, who's here, and how do they look on the ice together, going head-to-head or you know, playing on the same line even. Are they able to do similar things? What kind of decisions are they making? So this is just a taste. And when you go to these events, you see every single general manager, every assistant general manager, the entire coaching staff, much of the pro scouting staff. I mean, there is a lot of people with eyes on these players. So it is a pressure-packed environment. It is a highly competitive environment. And the pace of these games and the quality of these games often rivaled what you would see at, you know, things like the World Junior Championship or, you know, kind of a, a little step, a step or two below the NHL. But there are so many different events that are happening and almost all teams are going to be involved. So I just want to at least give you a quick rundown of what is happening and where. And and also a lot of these will be streamed. Most of them are streamed by the individual NHL teams. I've been hearing that a lot of these teams will be using their YouTube feeds for streaming these events. Not every single team will have that. There will also be audio feeds of others. So we do and, and will have a piece up on flowhockey.tv, which will give you a guide of where all of these are and where to watch them as well. You won't be able to watch them on Flow Hockey, but we want to at least make sure that hockey fans know where to find these things because this is a great chance to kind of get your feet wet for the season and watch some of these young players blossom. So we'll start off. On Thursday, we'll be kicking things off. It's Traverse City, and that is one of the original prospect events. It has been going on for years and years and years in Traverse City, Michigan. It's been bigger over the years, now just four teams. It'll be Columbus, Dallas, Toronto, and then the host Detroit. The Detroit Red Wings have been putting this on for many years now. That is one that does have a trophy, the Matthew Wiest Cup, that is uh, named in honor of the former, uh, the, the the man who ran Cap Geek, which was such an important salary cap uh, website. Matthew uh, passed away tragically from cancer, um, and the, the, he was a big Red Wings fan, and this is a way that the Red Wings have honored him. Um, and so it is a bit of a prestigious, you know, it, it's a prestigious event, and it's also a, a great jumping off point. And, and we'll talk about who's going to be there as well in just a second. Also, a, a very intriguing one that has become a, a, a staple in the more recent years is the Buffalo Prospects Challenge. That will feature the Boston Bruins, the Buffalo Sabres, the Montreal Canadiens, the New Jersey Devils, the Ottawa Senators, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So a large collection of teams there. They'll be playing at the Harbor Center in Buffalo, which is a great environment to watch hockey. There was a World Junior Championship there once. Um, that's, of course, where the NHL Scouting Combine is held as well. It's a great venue for this kind of thing. Um, really like the rink there and, and, and the setup there. And it's also connected to the Sabres Arena. Up in Minnesota, there will be the Tom Curver Showcase, which is alternated between Minnesota and Chicago. They've now added the St. Louis Blues, so it'll be the Minnesota Wild, Chicago Blackhawks, and the St. Louis Blues. Yes, Connor Bedard is on the roster for the Chicago Blackhawks, and he is expected to play And I would assume it'll be one game at most. That's what I would probably do if I were them. 
So I would say that that is uh, where we're going to see, uh, uh, see, see a lot of focus because that's where Connor Bedard is going to be. You also have out west the rookie faceoff, which will feature the Anaheim Ducks, Arizona Coyotes, the Colorado Avalanche, Los Angeles Kings, Vegas Golden Knights, and the San Jose Sharks. I have actually gone to this event three times in the last four years, and it is you know the the balance of prospect strength had been in the West for quite a long time. Um, it's starting to shift back East, and Buffalo in particular is one of those places that we'll talk about. But you look at the the, the quality of, of, of this event, and it is in Vegas this year, so I'm a little bummed that I'm missing that one. Uh, but it's always a fun way to start the season out, uh, out West, and there's a lot of good teams there with some very intriguing prospects, including Leo Carlson, the number two pick from the most recent draft. The Anaheim Ducks have an absolutely loaded prospect pool, um, and they will be one of the featured teams at that event. Another one of the more historic prospect events, Penticton, uh, the the Young Stars Classic, and that will feature Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. So that is out in Penticton, British Columbia. You can actually see the, the Penticton V, so you can watch on Flow Hockey, uh, will also be playing an exhibition of their own uh, throughout in the middle of this event. So they, uh, this is all out in Penticton. And so it's a great event out in Western Canada. There are a couple of others and those will be out East. And that's the Southeast showcase featuring the Carolina hurricanes, Florida Panthers, Nashville predators, and Tampa Bay lightning. And then the Rangers and the flyers will be doing their own set of games, two games apiece in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And that rounds out the list of the prospect tournament slash showcase events that are out there. So, what what do you want to watch these for? What are the things that well, we just mentioned? Connor Bedard, the first time to see him in a Chicago Blackhawks jersey. We'll see if he plays both games. You know, honestly, if I were the Chicago Blackhawks, I would probably wrap him uh, up in bubble wrap and not allow him to play in this event. Connor Bedard has preached throughout that he wants to be just like any other prospect. He wants to go. He he wants to play. So you're not going to say no to your your new number one guy. So Connor Bedard will play in that. We'll see if he gets more than one game. The Blackhawks will play the Blues and Minnesota Wild. I don't, you know, there these games are physical. There are players that are trying to make a name for themselves. But I've seen that there is. It's still also a respectful environment. All these guys are trying to get ready for their season. And so I don't think you're going to see anybody try to actively go out and run Connor Bedard. It wouldn't be a very smart thing to do. Also, the Chicago Blackhawks have some big fellas on their team if, if they want, uh, you know, like Nolan Allen and, and uh, uh, Colton Dock. And, you know, so they've got some big boys out there. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think that these players, while they are trying to make a name for themselves, they don't get crazy. Um, so that's going to be what we look at, but also out there in Minnesota, you're going to see a couple of, of, of really interesting prospects. Jesper, Jesper Wallstedt from the Minnesota Wild, probably the number one goaltending prospect in hockey today. He is a, an exceptional player, played for the Iowa Wild last year, very likely stays in uh, Des Moines and plays for the Iowa Wild this season, but he is on the cusp of, of you know that NHL stardom, and this is a guy that has uh, really been a high pedigree player for quite a few years now. He will be one of the guys trying to stop Connor Bedard from putting pucks in the net. So that'll be interesting. As I mentioned, Anaheim, that is a place where you are going to see a lot of high-end talent, a lot of first-round draft picks on that team, including Leo Carlson, who's on their roster. Again, they're playing at the rookie face-off in Vegas. And so You've got Leo Carlson, you've got Pavel Mentukov, you've got Olin Zellweger, you've got uh, Nathan Gaucher. You know, this is a team uh, that 
you know, they, they had each of the three CHL defensemen of the year in the QMJHL, OHL, and WHL. They have all of those guys on their roster. They're all going to be playing. Um, Anaheim is still in an interesting situation here because they, they, they have a couple of contracts that they still have to get done with Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale, two of their key young guys. Um, and whether or not those guys are out, that opens the door a little bit. If they're not ready in time for opening day, if they're not ready, then you've got guys like Leo Carlson, who's going to get that, that elevated opportunity. Maybe Nathan Gaucher gets an elevated opportunity and they can set the tone for that here in the rookie, in the rookie tournaments. Um, and so I think Anaheim is going to be one of the most fascinating teams to watch because they have a, a high number of players that at least have designs on making the NHL roster as that's a rebuilding team. And so um, they have a really great rebuild package already with their prospects. They've got a lot of skill on the back end, a lot of mobility. You've got the size and the power and, and, and the hockey sense of Leo Carlson. You know, you've got a powerful game in Nathan Gaucher, you know, adding those guys up. It's going to be very interesting to watch that Anaheim group. Over in uh, Traverse City, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Columbus in particular, not because of any of the controversy that you may have heard of online the last couple of days with Mike Babcock. And boy, I'm not even going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. But let me tell you, you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets have a lot of excitement around their franchise right now. Distractions aside, you've got Adam Fantilli, you've got David Juracek, who was fantastic in the AHL last season. Denton Matejchuk will also be at this rookie tournament. You've got those three key guys that are first-round draft picks, high-profile players, building blocks for your organization's future, and now you get a glimpse of them before the season. We fully expect Juracek to, to compete and for, for minutes and to play a role on the roster. We expect Adam Fantilli to play a significant role as a rookie. Um, you know, whether Denton Matejchuk is in the mix this year, that remains to be seen. But, you know, this is a group that has plenty to prove. Um, and guys like Fantilli and, and Juracek in particular um, will go into this event just trying to get ready, making sure that they're making the move for the team um, and, and trying to, to make that roster. Lastly, I want to talk a little bit about Buffalo. And I was looking at their roster before we got going. Um, and, you know, they have a really tremendous group of young prospects. And, and not just prospects, but young players. You think about Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin. Um, you know, Tage Thompson's still very much in, in the prime of his career. Um, but when you look at their actual prospect list on top of that, boy, is there a lot of fascinating uh, group, fascinating names on that list. Zach Benson, their, their, their top pick from last draft will be there. Um, you know, how does he fare? We've talked a lot about his size and skating ability. What improvements has he made? How has he gotten stronger? How does he work, look against his peers? It'll set the table for how he's going to look in an NHL training camp. You know, that's a player that I'm, I'm excited to see in this kind of setting. Yuri Kulich, who had a tremendous year in the, in Rochester last year, top end goal scorer, a guy that has, you know, an opportunity to maybe make the Sabres, but, the question is, is, is there going to be room for him? But, you know, a, a nice, strong rookie camp allows him to kind of put his best foot forward. You got Matt Savoy, who played for the Winnipeg Ice last year, now the, the Wenatchee Wild in the, in the WHL. You know, how many steps has he taken over the last year? That's going to be another player to keep a very close eye on. But they're also going to have Ryan Johnson, who, you know, there was a lot of questions. Would he sign with the Sabres? Is he 
you know, is he going to be ready? I still think Ryan Johnson more than likely is going to be on their AHL roster to start next season. But can he play a leading role? He'll be one of the older players in this camp. Um, they do have Zach Metza, who will be the oldest player on the team, a 98 birth year, signed as a college free agent with Buffalo last year. But how does Ryan Johnson look uh, among these guys? You know, he's a first round guy. He, you know, the, there was that will he, won't he sign, and now he'll be there. And interestingly, interestingly enough, you've got this Buffalo Sabres roster that has all of this star power. And Devin Levi isn't even going to be there. So the, the rookie goaltender who got a few games with Buffalo last year, had a great career with Northeastern University, was a, a, a Canadian goalie at the World Junior Championship, had some of the best numbers ever at the World Juniors. The Sabres said, we don't need to see you in rookie camp. Get ready for the main show. You know, you've got a chance to make our team and make it right away. And I will say, in all the rookie camps that I've been to, not the best place for a goalie, um, unless you are that top-end guy like a Jesper Wallstedt or, or, or Yaroslav Askarov, who will also be playing for Nashville in their rookie tournament. You know, there's a there's a real good chance that you're you're not going to have good numbers, and it may not be the best way to build confidence. And you have to look when they're building out these rosters. There are plenty of players on the back end that aren't are, you know aren't top end draft picks, or they're younger guys. And so, you know, you're not you're not getting NHL caliber defense in these games, and that can be really challenging for the goaltenders. So, um, you know, that's that's one thing where I tend not to get a, to read too much into evaluating goaltenders at these events because I've seen plenty of games that got completely out of hand and it really had nothing to do with the goalie but I love NHL rookie tournaments I'll be watching a lot of them just like many of you will be um, usually it would go but you know we're getting ready for the the USHL season we're getting ready for the college hockey season we've got a lot of leagues already underway on flow hockey um, so there's just too much going on and and I, I couldn't pull myself away um, even to drive up to Minnesota real quick to go see the uh, the Bedard show up in St. Paul at the Tria rink there but uh, again, go to flowhockey.tv. We will have a piece up there called "How to Watch the uh, Prospect or the NHL Rookie Tournaments," and that is a great way for you to find the games that you want to find to watch and watch these prospects as they evolve. Many of them will be going back to their junior teams. They'll be going to the AHL. They'll be some of them will be going to the ECHL. Um, you know, that's all of these guys are are, are in the mix, but they're probably going to get a look at camp as well. So. Um, we'll see where they all go, and, uh, and a good start to their entire season can really start right here at the NHL Rookie Camp. So a lot of excitement there. But as I mentioned, we're going to have some real hockey. And by real hockey, I mean hockey that counts, hockey that is going to be in the standings, hockey that is going to uh, have an impact on this season and certainly an impact on flow hockey. And I'm, of course, talking about the USHL. And it all starts Wednesday, September 20th at the USHL Fall Classic. One of the great events on the calendar, you've got every single USHL team under one roof, the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. So right outside Pittsburgh, it's where the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, hold their training camp and where they practice. And it's a great place because you've got two rinks and you've got a lot of games. And getting each team two games, it's their first two games of the regular season. You're, you know, they're in preseason right now. You can watch a number of preseason games on Flow Hockey um, at, throughout the week, although a lot of teams are starting to get their preparations underway for the Fall Classic, finalizing their rosters. 
And the USHL is coming off of a very strong season, their first year with us at Flow Hockey, which we're really excited to have them. Um, obviously, the, the big story of all season was Macklin Celebrini, who we've talked about ad nauseum, but he's moved on, and now it brings in this new crop of players that we're going to be tracking for the NHL draft. And a lot of them are guys that were in the league last year and really set the tone. So we'll talk about them in a second. But before we get to that, the USHL is wasting no time. They're kicking the season off with an absolute bang, and you can better believe there is going to be a ton of NHL scouts at the opening game at 7.30 on Wednesday, September 20th. You've got the Youngstown Phantoms versus the Tri-City Storm. And so the defending champions, the defending Clark Cup champions from Youngstown will be getting back to work. They've got a couple of strong drafted players on their roster. They've got a lot of young guys. They're going to have a new goaltender. You know, there's a lot of things that that change from last year's team. But Youngstown going to be a very strong team. Tri-City, meanwhile, always very competitive, always a, a, among the top-tier teams out west. And they have one of the top draft prospects in the USHL in Trevor Connolly. And so Connolly, it was a guy that had a big Ivan Holinka, uh Gretzky Cup at, for Team USA, one of the top scorers in that tournament with 10 points. And he really set the tone for his season there. Um, you know, Connolly, we've talked a little bit about some of the off-ice concerns. Yeah, there was actually a great piece in uh, in the Rink Live by by Jordan McAlpine. He used to cover the USHL for us. Now he's over at the Rink Live. Um, and you know, Trevor Connolly addressed some of the things from his past uh, that that have cropped up and and have caused kind of this concern uh, about character. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how teams react to that you know he's he's done a lot of things um and, and to to be clear that what happened was there was a, a social media post where he and a teammate um there was a, there was a photograph shared that that had um an image of a swastika on on it i mean you know and that's that was it was shocking you know and, and but he, the, he was a 14 year old kid and it's a bad mistake it's an awful mistake it got him kicked off of his team it, you know it's obviously created a lot of these uh, situations, but the one thing that Connolly has tried to do, and you, again, actions speak louder than words. He's definitely said, you know, I feel like I've learned from it and everything, but he has put some of that in action. He's done some community work. He's done, you know, a lot of education on anti-Semitism and you know the understanding of the power of an image, uh, and so that is a thing that you know is is kind of hanging over his head. And teams will still have to decide, you know, is that something that means, you know, we never talk to this player. And, you know, I, I, I don't really have an opinion on that. I think that the players, you know, you have to demonstrate growth and at least to, you know, to what he said and, and what he's done so far, there's been some demonstration of growth. And, and so I think Trevor Connolly will probably end up being one of the most interviewed prospects by scouts because there's going to be a full-on review of everything. And let's say, hey, we don't want – is this is this was this a one-time incident? Was this a thing? And so that is probably going to hang over a lot of his draft season. But at the same time, you know, this is a player that is definitely going to get a lot of attention because of the way that he performs on the ice. But as we all know, it is not just about that, especially if you want to play in the National Hockey League. And so we will we will learn a lot more about him. Um, I do recommend going to read Jordan McAlpine's story at the rink live, uh, dot com, um about Trevor Connolly. 
uh, and and what he has said that he's done because he will be a prominent figure in this USHL season. There's no question about it. And while that is a, a heavy topic, you know th- there are going to be a lot of players in the league this year that are going to be highly regarded for the NHL draft. And so when we get to the fall classic, um, the national team development program will be represented by the U S national under 18 team. And with that will come Cole Eiserman. We've talked about him plenty on this podcast, but now that it's his draft season, we're going to talk about him a lot more. And the reason being, he is one of the top goal scorers that we will see in this draft. He was teammates with Max Celebrini at Shattuck St. Mary's. The two of them have remained close. They've, you know, they're, they both described each other as you know best friends. And I think that they're rooting for each other, but there's, a high level of competition. Um, you'll have to stay tuned. We've got a, a feature coming out later this year on uh, on Cole Iserman and and that relationship, but also more on his goal scoring ability. Uh, you know, he had 69 goals last season for the national team development program. Split time between the under 17 team and the under 18 team. Fell just one goal shy. He actually uh, got a primary assist on what turned out to be the game-tying goal of the Under-18 World Championship. It initially looked like it was his goal, but it went off of Kerry Terrance instead, and so it's an assist. So he could have had a 70-goal season, but now he has a 69-goal season. So, you know, whatever. That's nice. So he's he's a really interesting player, and I think it's not just – beyond the goal scoring, there's a lot of hands. To, you know, he's really good hands. He's got – um, you know, strength to him. He's he's picked up his pace quite a bit over the last year. Um, and I think that that's going to be interesting. So this is a first opportunity for him. Also at the World Junior or at the at the USHL Fall Classic, in terms of draft eligible players, guys that are going to get a lot of attention, Sasha Boyver from the Muskegon Lumberjacks. He's a commit for the, from the University of North Dakota. You know, Canadian-born player playing in the USHL. Had a tremendous rookie season with Muskegon last year on a team that really struggled. Muskegon feels like they're going to take a step this year. And if they are going to take a step, he's going to have to be a big part of that. And so I think that Boyver is going to be one of those players that we're watching very closely. And where what happens with his team and how he plays is going to dictate a lot of, of where he ends up going. He has the potential to be a first-round draft pick. He has the skill, the work ethic, the tenacity, the two-way play to be that. Now he's got to prove it this season. So going to be a very fascinating player to watch. Um, one of the top returning scorers from the USHL last season in terms of draft guys that will be draft eligible this year, Max Swanson from Fargo. He's an undersized player, which gives him an uphill climb for being an NHL draft pick, but he is a highly productive player. He played a significant role on one of the best teams in the USHL last season. And now as Cole Knubel is gone, as some of the players from Fargo that they had last year have moved on to college hockey, it's going to be Max Swanson's show. If he can make it uh, his show and make it, you know, make an impact for a team that has high expectations this year, that's going to be a good thing for him. So you've got guys like Iserman, Connolly, Boyver, Swanson, and a whole bunch more. A lot of players that we're going to be watching very closely this season for the NHL draft. But it's also going to be a big year in the USHL for players that have already been drafted. I think the highest profile guy in the league this year, and the one that I'm going to be most fascinated to watch, is Adam Guyan, the second-round draft pick of the Chicago Blackhawks. He was the first goaltender taken last year. Played in the North American Hockey League with the Chippewa Steel last season, got in a few games with Green Bay, and then came to Green Bay for this entire season. So you got Adam Guyon, who was Slovakia's goalie at the World Junior Championship last year. Tremendous effort, nearly beat Connor Bedard in Canada 
in the quarterfinals, and now he's coming to the USHL. And I'd say that Green Bay has aspirations. They've had some significant losses, um, even late in the process, late in the, the offseason, losing Artem Levshunov, losing Jimmy Clark, both moving on to college hockey a little bit unexpectedly or earlier than expected, I should say. Um, and and so now you've got to replace those players, but they're going to have some good guys, and having a goaltender like Guyon gives you a chance throughout the entire season. So we'll keep an eye on what Green Bay does with Adam Guyon. Also on this, uh, you know, the Youngstown Phantoms, the defending Clark Cup champions, they're going to have a couple of, uh, of high-profile guys. Andrew Strathman will be their captain this year. Offensive defenseman has a you know played a, a significant role, major minutes in last year's championship. And then Brandon Svoboda, uh, who was drafted by the San Jose Sharks and, and Strathman by the Blue Jackets. You know, those are two guys that are going to be key figures for a team that's going to have a lot of youth, guys that are not draft eligible for a few more years, like Zach Moran. Uh, you know, so they're going to have to take that step. And I think that both, uh, both uh, Svoboda and Strathman are going to be uh, key figures in this USHL season and should be relied upon pretty heavily by a team that, that probably wants to continue the ball go ball rolling here and try and win another championship. A couple other guys to keep an eye on two guys that were high school teammates last year at War Road High School in Minnesota. Jason Shagabay, who was Minnesota Mr. Hockey last year, he'll be spending the entire season with the Green Bay Gamblers, and he'll be there uh, also in the in the USHL with Hampton Sliskinski, who was drafted by the Los Angeles Kings. He was the goalie. He will be playing for the Fargo Force this year. Both of those guys, key figures. Slokinski has an opportunity to potentially make the World Junior Championship team after a very strong showing at the World Junior Summer Showcase. These guys are real good, and that is going to make uh, their teams a lot of fun to watch. And you will be able to watch every single game from the USHL, with the exception of the NTDP home games, but every other game you'll be able to watch um, and also throughout the playoffs on Flow Hockey and I highly recommend getting the annual subscription because you will then get, you know, if you're a USHL fan, you can follow these guys as they go on to the CCHA, as maybe they go on to the ECHL. You know, you don't have to stop watching them once they have moved on from your USHL team, especially if you have a full hockey account. Also, we're going to have exclusive coverage and great coverage from a guy that has really established himself as one of the premier voices of the USHL, and that's Ryan Sykes. You can follow him at Ryan underscore Sykes, S-I-K-E-S 10 on uh, X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it anymore, uh, which we will continue to say because some people say it's always going to be Twitter, kind of like the Sears Tower is not really the Willis Tower. You know, you know what I mean? And But that's how we're going to talk about it. So uh, you can follow Ryan there and he will have uh, power rankings. He will have uh, scouting reports, stories, all sorts of things all season long from the USHL. We love having Ryan uh, on our team to cover the USHL, and he does a tremendous job and is super passionate about the league and telling the stories of its players. So do not miss that. So the USHL is certainly one of uh, uh, the junior leagues that we have, but it's not the only one at Flow Hockey. Now, we've talked about it the last few podcasts. If you were a Hockey TV subscriber or you're familiar with Hockey TV, all of the things from there uh, that you were watching on hockey TV with the, with a few exceptions is coming over to flow hockey. So flow hockey is essentially hockey TV. Now, what does that mean? Well, we've got 
all of the CJHL leagues, the BCHL, the USPHL leagues, including the NCDC. You know, we've also will have the, the SPHL this year. So a lot of great things happening. So if you haven't gotten your subscription yet, if you and I believe me, I'm doing a hard sell here. And you know why? It's because there is not a single place on planet Earth that has as many hockey games as Flow Hockey. So if you go to flowhockey.tv backslash sign up, get on there, go ahead and give yourself that, that annual subscription because that really brings that monthly cost down and you will have games throughout the entire season. And we've got USHL preseason going right now, but now we've got things like the OJHL and the, 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 the BCHL and many, many leagues throughout Canada uh, pretty much um, almost every junior hockey league in North America is part of this, uh, and you will be able to watch it on Flow Hockey. We also have on flowhockey.tv a very large offering of data. So if you want to follow these leagues and you're sick of going to all these different places to try to find out what you're, what what's going on in these leagues, we've got standings, we've got player stats, we've got schedules, we've got it all, and that way you can have this incredible experience. So I'm super excited about what we've done over the last year in bringing hockey TV over to flow hockey. It was a big reason that I came to flow sports was because when I saw that they, they partnered and, 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 and acquired hockey TV and hockey tech, I knew that was smart because that is where a lot of the things that matter to me as somebody that cares a lot about the hockey landscape beyond the NHL, that's been key. And all of those people that, that brought you those games for Hockey TV. They're all part of Flow Sports now, which is really great as well because that's a lot of expertise. It's a lot of people that know what they're doing and, and a lot of people that care about the hockey fans. And so that is one of the things that I think is so great about being here at Flow Sports. I'm super pumped about it. I hope that you guys are pumped about it because there is so much to sink your teeth into. Uh, just go to our schedule page and you tell me where else you're going to find. I, I just looked at yesterday or tomorrow, for example. I could watch games starting at 9 o'clock Central in the morning, and I don't have to stop watching games until well after midnight if I don't want to. Now, I love hockey a lot. I don't think I can do that because I do have a job and there's other things I got to do. But that's the kind of stuff that you can do with the new Flow Hockey. So make sure you get over to flowhockey.tv, sign up today, Get that annual subscription and get access to tons and tons and tons of hockey. And we will support that with a lot of great, great original content this year. We're adding to our staff. We're trying to make more and better things for you. So, hey, let's uh, let's get after it. I'm really excited about the season in case you can't tell. All right. We're going to move on to our listener Q&A, which we do every week. And a lot of the questions and I fully expected this. A lot of the questions are about NHL prospect pools, especially as we get ready for the uh, as we get ready here for the, um, uh, the the rookie tournaments and everything else. So let's get to it. We're going to start our first question, and this one comes from Gary. And Gary asks, "Are you taking in any of the rookie tournaments? If so, which ones? And who are you most excited to see?" how they look at this stage of their development. Well, Gary, that is a, uh, a great question. Unfortunately, I won't be going to any this year, uh, not going to any 
Um, but here's what I, instead of giving you a specific player of, in terms of who I'm excited to see at this stage of the development, I think there are certain players that I'm, I'm very fascinated to watch. You know, I think guys like Matt Savoy, guys like Olin Zellweger and Pavel Mintukov, who are going to be kind of linked as, as these, these Anaheim Ducks young defensemen. Um, and there's actually a question about the two of them, which we'll get to in a second. But, you know, I think that the, the, the really important thing with the, the rookie tournaments is, okay, how far how far along are the guys that you just drafted? How close are they to being ready? How do they stack up against their peers? Because that gives you a little bit of an idea in terms of timeline long term. It doesn't give you as much of an idea as short term, which I think is fine. So that's one thing. I think looking at those, and, and it's basically taking the different groups of players, the guys that were drafted two years ago, the guys that were drafted last year, the guys that were drafted just this last summer, those are the types of players you, you want to learn about. You want to find out where they're at, you know, based on where their peers are at. And these rookie tournaments give you a great sample of that. It's not, it's not perfect because this is the beginning of their season. They're not in midseason forum. There's, you know, but you want to see how they've changed over the summer. So I look at, I look at a guy like William Eklund, who had a really good rookie tournament last year. He's going back to that for the San Jose Sharks this year. And so, I would expect him to be better this year than he was last year. I mean, it seems obvious that that's what you would want, but how much better is he going to be? Um, and then you also look at him and you say, okay, well, Thomas Bordalo is going to be there as well. Um, you know, you look at those, th those are two guys that are, you know, similar in age and, and, and have a number of, ex uh, of games of NHL experience. So those are two guys that I would probably keep a close eye on at this particular event. But yeah, I mean, it's, they're, they're great measuring sticks and that's really what it like. This is the world juniors, world junior camps under 18s. Um, these, these smaller kind of samples at least give us an idea of everybody on the same ice surface. And it allows us to, to make some judgments off of that, not finite judgments, but just at least kind of giving us a little bit of an idea of where things are. And then of course, these players will go on, they'll play in their training camps. They'll get exhibition games at the NHL level. Sometimes those are more revealing. Sometimes they're not revealing at all. Um, it really depends, but I really like the rookie tournaments to kind of set the stage to see where everybody's at. All right. Our next question comes from Anthony and he asks, who is one prospect you think may not, um, think many may not see how good he'll be. Um, so yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I think it's all relative. I mean, I, you know, there are certainly players that I, I think, you know, maybe better, um, than, than I've, you know, pre that, that maybe the, the general public, um, would say, but, you know, in terms of some of the guys in, in this particular environment, you know, I'm really looking forward. I, I think one guy is, is Zach Dean, who was part of a big trade for the St. Louis Blues last year. Now he's going to get his chance to kind of show things, um, you know, in terms of where he's at. Um, so I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to the table um, for for the St. Louis Blues, especially in that, you know, in that environment where there's going to be so much focus on Connor Bedard. I think him being – I saw him at this event two years ago, and I was impressed with the, the prog progress he had made um, when he was playing within the Vegas Golden Knights system. So I think that's a player that we've kind of forgot a lot, a little bit about, but he's a first round draft pick and a guy that, you know, he's now on his second organization. 
you know, maybe there's a fresh start there for him. And I think that he's one of those players that has a lot to prove. And um, he's not flashy. He's not like amazingly skilled. He's good at a lot of things and in sometimes in subtle ways. So I think that that's one player that I would keep an eye on is it would be Zach Dean from the St. Louis Blues. All right. Our next question comes from Carter and Carter asks, uh, who among the Kings rookies at the rookie tournament should fans be most excited to see most likely to pay play for the Kings sooner than later? You know, I think in terms of excitement, I think one of the players that I'm most fascinated by in the Kings system, and that's especially because we have been watching the Kings be one of the very best um, prospect pools for a while. And some of those guys we're still waiting on. You know, we're still waiting to see what Alex Turcott is ultimately going to be. Um, he is not going to be at this uh, uh, event. Um, you know, uh, Brant Clark is not going to be at this event. So I, of the players, I'd say Brant Clark is probably the closest among the players. And that shouldn't be a surprise because he got games with the Kings last year. But I think in terms of players that I'm most excited to see for the Kings, it's Eric Portillo. Um, Eric Portillo has been a player that I have had the hardest time getting a read on as a prospect for a long time. The athletic tools are absolutely there. Um, he's quick. He's huge. He's he's athletic. Um, my concern has always been in, you know, his hockey sense and the way that he reads the game, um, and and how he track, you know, how he's tracking things in terms of how he's collecting rebounds, you know, where he's putting pucks, when he's playing pucks, and at a rookie camp like this or a rookie tournament the game's going to move at a pretty fast pace. It might move even a little bit faster than he's used to. The NCAA hockey moves at a pretty good pace. Um, there's not a lot of room. There's not a lot of time. That's, you know, here you've got that. And then you're also going to add in the element of, you know, when you go head to head with the Arizona Coyotes and they've got Logan Cooley and they've got, you know, players like that who he's seen in college, but also, you know, Dylan Gunther and, and, and other guys that, presents a lot of challenges. So I would say, you know, how is, where is Eric Portillo at in his development? How did the off season treat him? How is he going to read the game? And as I mentioned, prospect tournaments are not the best place to evaluate goaltenders, which I fully agree with, but that's a player that I think has something to prove. And while he's not close to being NHL ready, he is going to be an important piece for the Kings and they need him to be a good goaltender because they, they have not necessarily developed the quality of goaltending here um, in the last couple of years. All right, let's move on to our next one. And this comes from Steve thoughts on who has the edge to make the ducks roster first Zellweger or Mintuko. Well, I think that they're both in a very similar place. I think that those two players are close, but they, and you know, Zellweger was the WHL defenseman of the year. Mintukov was the OHL defenseman of the year, two incredibly offensive players, two guys that do a lot of things um, with, well, with the puck guys that can produce points. I'd say that, you know, Mintukov is the more physically ready player. Um, Zellweger may be the more mature, mentally ready player, but I would also caution to say, I don't think either of them necessarily should be on the NHL roster right away. 
the Anaheim Ducks are in a team that's a little bit of flux. And, and as I mentioned before, we'll see Trevor Zegers, Jamie Drysdale, not under contract yet as restricted free agents. So as you make those changes, um, you know, that doesn't that that should not impact how you utilize Zellweger and Mintukov. These are two players that are just getting out of junior hockey guys that you can use in a different way, you know, can move to another level um, guys that you can, you can get into the mix in, uh, in San Diego and give them an opportunity to find their game as professionals. And the AHL is such an important step, typically for defensemen, not a ton of guys skip that step unless you're Kale McCarr, unless you're, you know, Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox, players like that. Most players do not skip that step. And so I, as good as Zellweger and Mintukov both are, I don't necessarily think that's going to be a step that they skip. And and you look at what the Ducks did in the offseason as well. They did add some stopgap short-term defensemen that will be able to insulate those players and allow them to kind of matriculate naturally. So I don't think Mintukov or Zellweger would make sense to be on the opening night roster unless they blow you away with their performance. Um, and if I were to guess who that would be between those two players, it's really difficult to say because I think they're very close in terms of um, ability, you know, the the way that they play and, and what they would bring to the team. And, and I don't think you want to have two young defensemen on your NHL roster. So keep in mind, there's plenty of time. Patience is always the best path for defensemen. And I think that that should be the case going forward. All right. We've got another question here and this one comes from Brian and Brian asks, what is a reasonable time frame for Gavin Brindley to arrive in Columbus with the blue jackets? Keeping in mind, he's headed back to Michigan next year. All right. Well, Brian, thank you for that uh, question. And, you know, we've had some good questions from Brian over the years here. But uh, Brian, here's the, the the answer. I think you know players like Brindley, um, who are undersized, who have more physical development ahead of, ahead of them. <coughs> excuse me. Um, I think that there's no there's really no need to rush. If he has a tremendous season at Michigan this year, maybe you sign him and you have him in the AHL. Um, I think most players. There's a certain tier when you look at the different tiers of players that that play college hockey. You know, I would say that Gavin Brindley is in the tier where you would expect him to play three years of college hockey. A lot of guys are now two and through as opposed to one and done. Um, we have seen a few one and dones this last year with with Cooley and Fantilli, but more recently it's been two years. Brindley is on the bubble for that. I think it's probably more reasonable to expect him to play a third year of college hockey where he can be the man offensively, where he can do a lot of different things, um, where he can dominate because – he is a very he was a very good complimentary player last year. Um, this year he's going to need to be a lot more than that. I think the following year he'll need to be even more than that for a Michigan team that you know is still kind of. I think this year there there's going to be some significant scoring losses from their last team that they have to overcome, which is not going to be easy. So um, we'll have to see where where Brindley is. But we saw you know Mackie Samuskevich, Brendan Bersan, Manny Beniers, you know guys that have left after two years. Um, and, and I think that, you know, Brindley has the potential to be in that group, but I think it's more likely that he is a three-year college player and then 
you know, we'll see where he goes from there. But a lot of things have to happen before you say he's absolutely on the Blue Jackets. But he's a player I have a ton of time for. Anybody that's been listening to this podcast knows that's a player that I really like a lot. And I think he plays uh, a dogged brand of hockey that's going to work at any level. All right. So next question comes from uh, Maxwell, and this is Chicago Blackhawks related. Other than the right defense, what's missing in the Blackhawks prospect pool? What position or archetype might they target in coming drafts? Well, that's a, another good one. And uh, I would say, you know, for, for the Blackhawks, as you mentioned, the, the right shot defenseman, you want to try and beef that up as best you can. Um, it's an important position. It's something that every team is always looking for. Having a surplus in, at, at <clears throat> right shot defenseman is always helpful, um, but never necessarily, you know, a given. So anyway, we, you know, with, with that in mind, um, you know, I think the Blackhawks have a lot of different needs. You know, they've, they've seem to have a couple of solid goaltenders for, for their future. One of them, you know, maybe all of them pan out in a certain degree. Uh, but I would also say that one thing that they could probably use now that you've got Bedard, now that you've got Lucas Reichel, now that you've got um, Frank Nazar, players like that, um, is to continue to add size up front. Um, size, but size with skill. Um, you know, they have some heavier players like like Colton Dock, like Gavin Hayes, um, players that you know that that can can play a, a heavy brand of hockey. But I think adding some more of those power wing styles, guys that are going to create time and space for their teammates, um, that helps a lot. And so I think that's something that the Blackhawks should focus on as they build out their prospect pool, which is by no means complete. Um, but I really like where they're at. You look at their prospect team, and it's one of the best there is because you've got Korchinski, you've got um, Bedard, and then you've got a number of other players like Camesso with a little bit more age to them. Um, you know, and Nolan Allen, um, you know, Ethan Del Mastro, they have a really nice group of players um, to pull from, which, you know, over the last two drafts has re and really probably even the last three drafts has dramatically changed the way their, uh, their future outlook is. And obviously Bedard takes it to a completely different level. All right. Our, our last question comes from Robinson's Renegades, and I think I forgot to add another one, so I'm going to add one more at the end of this, and it'll just be me telling you. But um, Robinson's Renegades asks, Michigan has had a 10-year run of a metric ton of great players. What is it going to take for them to break through and finally win a national championship? Well, that's the thing about college hockey. You can have great teams. You can have, you know, a perfectly built team, but unlike most other levels of hockey, and this is true across college sports because it's just the way that it's set up, you get one shot. Once you get to the last stage of the season, once you've reached, once you're one of the last 16 teams standing, you got to win four games in a row. And any mistake that you make in any of those previous games could end your season. We've seen Michigan get close. They've gotten a couple frozen fours. They were in the frozen four last year. They were overmatched by Quinnipiac in that game. I think we saw a team that was more experienced. We saw a team that was heavier. We saw a team that was more disciplined win that game. 
And they were also that, that experience factor I think is significant. Um, a few years back, they lose in overtime uh, to Denver. Again, another team that had a little more experience, a little bit more polish. A few years back, they lost in the last six seconds of regulation to Notre Dame at, in, in the Frozen Four. So this is a team that's been close. There are a couple of factors. I think, for one, the University of Michigan has not had a ton of elite-level goaltenders. The last time they went to the national championship game, they had Sean Hunwick, who was an undersized goaltender that played spectacularly throughout that and, and gave them a chance. You need that to happen. Um, you know, not to say that Eric Portillo was the Achilles heel to that team last year. I, I think that they they were just overmatched against Quinnipiac. But I think having an elite level goaltender helps a lot. We saw Yaniv Peretz do that for Quinnipiac last year. Um, you know, we've seen uh, a number of goalies step up in big moments for their teams and give them a chance to win. Uh, you know, Hunter Shepard for the Minnesota Duluth National Championship teams of recent memory um, almost did the you know, you know, he's he did the same thing, actually, um, in the Calder Cup playoffs last year for Hershey. You know, so you need those players. That, so I think goaltending is a, is a big key for them. Um, you know, I think the year that they they got had the COVID positive COVID tests and had to pull out of that tournament. At, you know, Strauss man was starting to look like that guy. Um, but unfortunately that's not where it went. You know, they, they, they had a positive COVID test. They had to leave the tournament. It was over um, before it began. But, you know, the thing about college hockey is, is that that single game elimination, it makes the national championship so much harder to win. I mean, if you're the best team and your odds are, you're going to win four out of seven if we did it that way, or you're going to win three out of five. But in college hockey, we don't have a series that way. We do in the conference playoffs until we get to the semifinals and championship game in some conferences, but we don't have that in the national championship. So one bad night can end your season and wash it all away. But it's been a long time for Michigan. And when you get these great players, you want to expect that they're going to win. Um, and I think they will eventually, but yeah, I get it. It's not easy. So, um, but yeah, that's the way it goes. So, uh, college hockey is an absolute grind at that stage of the season. When you get into February, March, and April, it is very difficult to win. And so the teams that, that do make it to the frozen four, the teams that do make it to conference championship games that win conference championships, Celebrate those victories too, because the national championship, while it is the ultimate goal, the way that the system is set up, it doesn't always reward the best teams. It just re rewards who's playing the best in that moment. And then that gives you your what, what we look at as the history of that season. Whoever the national champion is, is often who we, who we cl most closely tie to that season. Um, and so it's really difficult to do that. But a great question. Uh, there and as I mentioned, we had one we had one question that I did not get into my queue. I can't remember who asked it, but I just I remember it from Twitter, and I wanted to bring it up. And it was asking me of the teams that we saw, which team has the best um, has the best roster. And <clears throat> excuse me, I'd say of the teams that are playing in terms of pro potential, in terms of guys that are, that that have that potential, I think Buffalo's is outstanding. Even without Devin Levi, I think Minnesota's got an interesting one because of Jesper Wallstep, because of some of the defensemen that they have. 
Chicago looks very good. And then Anaheim is really one that is fascinating with Mintukov, um, with, with Zellweger, with Luno, with, uh, with um, uh, you know, some of the uh, Leo Carlson, you know, that is a group that I'm fascinated to watch. So um, I think those are some of the teams that have among the best prospect groups to look at and to watch. And I will be watching as many of these games as I can. Really excited to do it again. Check out flowhockey.tv for the watch guide to know where to find all of that stuff. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Really excited to get into the season. Um, Plenty more to come. We've got the USHL Fall Classic next week. I will be in Pittsburgh um, for that event. Really looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun to follow. Hope you guys will follow it along with us. Make sure you're following Flow Hockey on all your preferred social media channels. We're even on TikTok now. Finally, yeah, this old guy getting on the TikTok. So uh, make sure that you are on uh, TikTok, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, X, what have you. Uh, We are there. Make sure you follow that for all the great information and go to flowhockey.tv to get your subscription today for the 2023-24 season. So many great teams, leagues, players, just a lot to, to check out at the new flow hockey, make sure you do it real soon. And one final reminder, please make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast or you're watching us on YouTube and flowhockey.tv. Also uh, leave us a kind rating and review on your podcast app of choice. It helps us get the word out and we greatly appreciate your support. Thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode. My name is Chris Peters. This is Talking Hockey Sense. We'll catch you next time.